You're listening to the God Stories Radio podcast, www.godstoriesradio.com. afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this edition of God Stories Radio. This is uh, episode 324, part two with Mr. Paul Williams. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. How is everybody doing on this uh, Saturday kind of uh, rainy afternoon here in Florida? Yeah, well, not everybody is in Florida, right? Well, I know. <laughs> Luck, lucky them. You know, they say if you, you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes. Right. Definitely true in so, Florida. Yeah, welcome to Florida. So, man, what's going on over there? Oh, well, it's been an interesting week. So I'm just. Uh... Yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> and our apologies to uh, Mr. Paul, because uh, we were supposed to have a Friday edition of God Stories Radio last night yes. that we were really looking forward to. And uh, my wife uh, ended up in the ER. But uh, the good news is. She's good. Yeah. She's good. All the tests were good. Praise the Lord. And she's just getting over a virus and, um, and we're just very thankful. So had the show today. So uh, Paul said he could do it and we are extremely happy about that. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So last time when you were on God Stories Radio, we had the privilege of learning a little bit about you and your background and starting to kind of get into your book just a little bit. Um, you know, today we just wanted to um, really get an opportunity to talk to you more, dive a little deeper. Um, you know, you could tell us a little bit more about what gave you the desire to, to start the book um, and to write the book and um, let us know a little bit more about the book itself. Um, I know I just started it. Um, Fritz is a little ahead. Um, he's already completed chapter one. So I was kind of excited. I got to try to get him to slow down. <laughs> the book, by the way, is called Extreme Faith. For extreme evangelism. Yeah, and so um, why this title, Paul? <laughs> you know, the focus of everything we do in the kingdom of God, in terms of outreach, uh, in terms of you know um, spreading the kingdom of God, should be evangelism. You know, doing things, delib- making a deliberate, intentional effort to win souls for Jesus. Um, I was raised in an evangelical family. Um, we just were very isolated, but periodically we would do these pushes into the community. They were generally disastrous. Um, and I quickly grew up with uh, a fear of that. It's not very effective, for example, to print a bunch of flyers and pass them out. You know, one in a thousand gets read may result in someone coming to the Lord. And of course, if you're that person, it was worth it, right? But mm-hmm. particularly in a work environment, being a cybersecurity <clears throat> consultant, traveling the world, and trying to talk to the primary audience that I was spending my time with, you know, who would be with the secular leaders of the, some of the biggest companies in the world and U.S. government personnel, right? And, and they're very resistant in that secular environment to saying things about the Lord, but yet we're supposed to do that. And so the most I could ever do was wait until someone was moving. Well, do you have a church family? Welcome to the Houston area. We don't go to church, or we do come to our church. But those who are already saved are coming to a church. But those who weren't saved, I had no mechanism to persuade them to be. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, you've got this person you invite to church, you know. And But over the course of a year, if you would look back on average and say, how many people made Jesus Lord and Savior of their life this year as a result of my efforts. And normally I could not name one person. And I don't think that's uncommon. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that experience and we just don't really know how to evangelize effectively. Correct. Correct. 
And so I never set out to write a book on evangelism. It just started happening with great power. So just a brief recap um, from before is the big point was my doctor discovering a mass of tumors in my chest that grew very fast, um, had multiple serious chronic issues like heart murmur that would cause her to pass out sometimes and high blood pressure, hemorrhoids. Um, and well, it looked at melanoma cancer in my leg that was never formally diagnosed, but the big thing was saccharides of the lungs that was slowly squeezing, crowding in my air. And Jesus healed me in a hotel room in San Antonio while reading the Bible. So a little bit more about that. I had multiple translations of the Bible around me, and I understood after repeated reading of the 19 healings, miracles of Jesus, I understood them all well except for something Jesus said in John 14, 12, that believers would do the same things I did, in fact, greater things, referring to his works. didn't understand that. I know this is a little bit strange, but this is what happened is continuing to ask the Lord. I was already coming off a three-week fast already where I was intense seeking the Lord. This was a business trip. I was there by myself, but I said, Lord, I understand everything. What do you mean by believers will do the things that you did? In fact, greater things. It doesn't make any sense. And here's the part I didn't mention before is that I guess this is a type of prophecy. I had never had anything like this before. This was the first manifestation of the Holy Spirit upon me that I was seeking for three weeks during this fast. And this was the first manifestation is that letters begin to lift off the pages. So, uh, you know, um, around me is these different versions of the Bible and the letters lifted up off the pages and arranged themselves in the air as three sentences. And the weird part was the letters would actually leave the pages and float up, became larger in green. And I can see three glowing lines. And as I read them, I was just blown away. And, and of course, I write this down. And that was the first premise for the first book, Expect to Believe. And, and so when I reached up and, and I read that, I understood it. No wonder people aren't healed when we pray. I didn't understand what faith was. I didn't understand faith like a little child. I didn't understand and I reached up and I grabbed those green glowing letters. The power of the living God instantly just laid me flat and was just helpless before the Lord for four hours, couldn't move, and many things happened, visions, but that was the first time in my life. I was seeking the Holy Ghost, seeking his power, and that was the first manifestation. And so, um, you know, as you could imagine, this was an extremely amazing, intense experience, and from that point on, we'd pray for people, they would get healed. They would get healed. And so people would ask me, how are you doing this? Well, um, <coughs> and I would send them text messages. And so for about eight months, every day, I would compose these long text messages. They were really long text messages. And then they became emails. And one day, I gathered them up, and pretty much in the same order as I'd been sending them out, that became the first book. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. It is. And um, the, the Lord would actually show me a lot of those parts. I would see scrolling down like a while reading the Bible every morning. Say, Lord, give me something for, the, for my text message of the day. And I would see words scrolling down in my mind. And I would look up the scripture references if I didn't know them already and type it up as best and accurately as I could. And that was that day's text message, which became an email, which became the first book. Now, expect to believe well, – excuse me um, – Extreme faith for extreme evangelism was done very differently. The point of all this originally was to get people healed. We have relatives, you have friends, you've got friends of friends, you've got people in the church that my heart was just torn. Like here's a person that's got a torn knee. They need surgery, but they don't have health care or whatever, or they've been diagnosed with untreatable cancer. We've got to do something. That was the original heart, but I discovered through serendipity and accidental discovery this makes an amazing evangelism tool. Mm -hmm. And then it caught an idea of what Philip did, that he goes to the, in, the, in the book of Acts in the Bible, going to Samaria, doing unusual miracles, people running to see the miracles. He preaches the word about Christ, and the whole city comes to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And they begin to realize, what's an unusual miracle? And here's the part that I think that some of your audience, of course, are listening like, how do you do miracles? Others are like, well, we're doing them already. So speaking to the latter is if we discover through trial and error that if, let's say, someone comes into church, that's the first thing. To get them to church means there's a whole class of people that will never come. Going back, I was still a cybersecurity consultant. I'm still traveling the world. 
how do I get people, for example, in Minneapolis to go to a church that I've never been to myself? Because that's, that's not where I live. Mm-hmm. You know, for every 10 people you ask, you might get one if you ask them enough times. And so for evangelism, I don't know how to get that far. And if you pray for the healing, I didn't know what to do after that point to translate that into be Jesus healed you, make him Lord and Savior of your life. But there's a large gap. Begin to realize it has a lot to do with how the miracle is done. So as mentioned previously, I'll give a little bit more detail here, is someone could have a bad back, a steel rod is in it, a steel rods in their back, or their back is fused. My mother had five fused bones. And there's a significant number of people who have chronic problems like knees, hips, backs, whatever, right? Under long-term care of a doctor and or needing surgery and or had it, but now it's going bad again. Even some of your listeners have it right now. And I discovered that if we walked up and say, can I pray for you and pray for it, give them a big hug and say, thank you for praying. And then three weeks later when you see them, hey, my legs feel better. If you track 100 of those people, there's a very minimal impact. There's a minimal long-term impact on their devotion to Jesus if they're already a Christian. If they're not for a time, for a few days or weeks, they're excited about it. But there's a very muted effect. It, there's, a year later, there's really no change in their life. They're not reading the Bible more. They're not closer to God long term. And I began to realize it has to do with how the miracle was done. You know, first getting them to church anyway. It's so if you'll have more faith, more word, more time in prayer, more scripture, you could do bigger miracles. So let's say a person's back has five huge bones. And now we're three years into this thing, begin to realize the way you do a miracle has a huge impact on what happens next. We're sitting in a restaurant. The restaurant is full. Here's the man with a short clipped foot turned to the right. He's dragging that foot for 26 years. I asked him, can I pray for your foot? Because I was passing by, he's thinking you're going to pray somewhere else. He's going to say, yes, you point at it. In the name of Jesus, be healed and instantaneously. The leg is healed. It's pointing forward. It's a full-size foot. The man is blown away. He's literally physically jumping and screaming, what did you do? Again, the way the miracle done has everything to do what happens next. Everyone is like, what happened? And so Jesus Christ is real. I serve the living God. And in his name, I can do signs, words, and miracles, and so can you. Manager comes running over. Other people, God heals them. Begin to realize you can quickly draw a crowd just like Peter and say, so that you may know Jesus is the son of the living God. Be healed and instantly healed in the sight of all. You know, people begin to have steel rods disappear on the back or broken necks. The metal pins and screws disappear as you're looking at it. These are shocking miracles that even people that do miracles have never seen before. And you tell them, I'm doing this to show you that Jesus is real, the Bible is real, that everything Jesus said in his word is true, and that you as a believer can accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, receive the Holy Ghost, and you can do miracles just like the books of Acts 2. And that's how the book of Stream Faith for Extreme Evangelism was written. Wow. <clears throat> wow. It's um it's such a testament, you know, to the power of, of God. I mean, we just tend to put God in a box all the time and just think he's right. only capable of of things that we that our imaginations can contain, you know, not about the things that our imaginations can't contain. Um, well said. You know, well said. We just we limit God because of our limitations. Paul, what would you say well the conversion rate is, um, percentage wise per miracle? Do you get? Is it a hundred percent? If you if you let me pray for you, I'll tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you get a? Is it a hundred percent conversion rate, or do you get some that just say are? Or gaga over the fact that they were healed, but they they go about their way. So it's it's right about ninety percent, which is extremely high, uh, extremely high. Yeah, it draws an audience. And so, give example here in October, my neighbor two doors down, um, he's the gunshot victim that was instantly healed. When you get the book, there's a barcode. It takes you to the video testimonies, lifeoffaithinchrist.org. 
NatCom.org. There's the radical gunshot healing. Well, that same neighbor in October, coming off yet another three-week fast, his younger son, Jeremy, was run over by a truck in a hit-and-run accident on a major road a few miles from here and had 11 broken bones in his upper body, face, teeth, jaw, three breaks, neck broken in three places, wow. left arm broken in three places. He's leaking brain fluid out of his head. They does not have health care. This guy is a pretty rough guy. He, I'm not asking, looked like a drug dealer type guy, but God loves them all. Brings him over to his big brother's home, and Jesus began to heal him. His nose was obviously broken. Instantly became straight. They break the, his fractured head, stopped leaking brain fluid. That pain went away. We commanded all three breaks in his arm to stop, to go. His arm was instantly healed. He had a severed finger from a prior accident four years before where a machete chopped off his index uh, middle finger and was uh, uh, reattached. The bone was reattached, but the tendons and nerves were not. So he has a finger that's permanently sticking out. That's not a good thing in, in rough society or any society. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. And so because the arm was in a hard cast and we didn't have a hacksaw to cut it off, his mother, who's a voodoo queen, and there's a reason for me telling you that, she was afraid that if we took the cast off, his arm wouldn't be healed. But this rough guy, he says, hey, my nose is healed. You can see and feel it's healed, right? So why would my arm? The pain has ceased. Of course it's healed. I'm starting to like this guy, right? Mm -hmm. I will show you that heal because now we're going to pray for your finger. In the name of Jesus, tendons and nerves grow. And just like that, he can move the finger, which began to freak people out. But the one that got everyone, and this is where you get into the unusual miracle part. Remember, it's the unusual miracles that for the rest of your life, people cannot forget that I saw the power of God in front of my face. His eye socket was broken in. His right eye socket, the whole thing, was broken in and turned to the right. So imagine you've got an eyeball pointing at about a 30-degree angle off to his right. Mm -hmm. And I reached up and touched his forehead, in Jesus' name be healed. And everyone there saw the entire eye socket move by itself and was instantly healed. You could push it, the bone was no longer soft, and that freaked Everyone, I'm like, oh, did you say that? His eyes, I could move by itself. Mm -hmm. And I said, for the rest of your life, you'll never forget. You saw the power of God in front of your eyes. And at that point, when God was through healing all the different parts in his face, he ended up looking better after the wreck than he had before. You know? <laughs> <laughs> God does we plastic surgery. <laughs> He's yeah. a great physician. Wow. So there was two people there that exactly there's two people there that did that did not serve the Lord. One was the victim himself mm -hmm. and the other was his mother, who's a voodoo queen. So mm -hmm. I fastened my gaze, uh, I looked at the Jeremy and I said, Jeremy, are you ready to make this Jesus that's just healed eleven bones in your face and neck and arm? Are you ready to make him Lord and Savior your life? And he said, yes, I am. He raised his hands and said, yes, I am. Wow. I have had a rough life, and I need Jesus. And right then he committed to Jesus Christ mm -hmm. as Lord and Savior. Oh, so that's man. the 90%. Yes. But right there was the 10%. Because look at his mother and said, do you remember our discussion about Jesus Christ a month ago? A month ago, I was over visiting her son, the gunshot victim, that guy who was healed. And the mother pulls up and began to argue with me that Jesus was no different than Buddha and Muhammad and all those. And Archie, the homeowner, says, Mom, you don't live here. This is my driveway. This mm -hmm. is my friend. Got him, got, used him to heal me. She says, I don't care. He's my son. So I just left for peace sake. Mm -hmm. So now with her younger son healed in front of her eyes, I fastened my gaze on her in front of her children and grandchildren. And I said, do you remember our conversation a month ago about Jesus Christ? In the driveway at midnight, she said, yes, I do. And I'm, I'm wrong. I take back everything I said. Jesus is not like the rest of them. Would you pray for me? She oh, had an wow. open hernia. She did. She had an open hernia in the center of her chest, not, not down lower, right in the dead center of her chest. Her esophagus was pushing, but, but the size of her hand. An open hernia right then, lifelong heart defect that caused her to walk slowly. She could literally drop dead if... If she did too much activity, again, this is a very poor segment of society. There's, there's no money for health care like that. And, uh, and she had um, aneurysms of the arteries in her lungs, so she avoided taking a deep breath on the doctor's advice to avoid any damage to there that could kill her very quickly. 
She's going to pray for all three at the same time, but in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be healed completely. The abscess closed over, the hernia closed over instantly. The hernia, her lungs, her chest, everything healed instantly. She gave great glory to Jesus, but guess what? She still serves voodoo. I mean, right now, she's still in voodoo. She did not give her life to the Lord. So, yeah, it's about 90%. Um, so here she says Jesus is different, he, but she still isn't serving him yet. So mm-hmm. that's the way it goes, but we just celebrate. We love the way. It's a very high percentage of those who come to Jesus. But, you know, in a way, it's a, it's a small victory in that, She's been now introduced to Jesus in a right. for the first time in her life. She's seen the power right. of what he can do and she's experienced the power of what he can do. And Amen. you know, sometimes it takes people a little longer, especially when they're older, you know, they've been conditioned. Well, that can't return <laughs> void. There is no way. Yeah. That's like God's word will exactly. not return void. Right. It 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 she'll run into another health crisis, you know, God will heal her again. I mean, she she's not fighting Jesus anymore. She's not fighting her son Against anymore. Him. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. but but she. It's kind of like I, I serve God, but I'm going to serve my other the grandfathers. And I already told her. Now this this gets into another part of our ministry is demonic deliverance. The the, the this book Extreme Faith heavily covers that as well, because one in four people who appear to be sick actually are being oppressed by demons, and some even possessed, right? So you're not going to get very far in the healing ministry unless you also learn how to cast out demons. There are people that look exactly like their physical sick. They even have x-rays, but we can pray all day long to be healed. They're not healed until you actually cast the demonic presence out, and then they're healed. You see that in the book of, in the New Testament, where Jesus prayed for a man that says, possessed by evil spirit that was bent over and could not straighten up. Mm -hmm. And when I read it, I thought, oh, those poor people. You know, Luke, the physician, didn't understand. That's not a demon. That's a physical condition, you know. Mm -hmm. But now I discover the Word of God doesn't make mistakes like that. So she says, when the Bible says, when Jesus cast out the demon, then she straightened up. Mm -hmm. So there's literally people that we could pray for this condition all day long. Nothing happens. In the name of Jesus, Satan, leave her alone. Instantly, they're free, right? And so the Holy Spirit, what I've learned is he will tell you on a case-by-case basis. This one has a demon. This one has that, right? But if he doesn't say anything, I just proceed normally, right? Mm -hmm. So casting out demons is huge. Unfortunately, in so many churches, if there's any manifestations at all, there's so many churches that are so dead spiritually, as I like to call it, or unfortunately have to call it, that there are no demonic manifestations. The, the church is not disturbing the kingdom of Satan enough to, to even cause a bother, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever Jesus goes, as you saw, wherever Jesus went, demons came running to him, screaming, you're the son of God, making a disruptive presence. Mm-hmm. So with Christians, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit to the fullness, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's not in you, but when the Holy Spirit fills you to this degree with signs, wonders, and miracles, everywhere you go, people will react to you strangely. You're going to see there's a surprising number of people, including in our churches. The reason why this person has trouble reading the Bible because a demon is interfering with their ability to read the Bible. I mean, it just goes on and on. They're not possessed, but all they know is, I, I just can't focus. Well, that lack of focus is a demon. And so sometimes I can see it. Other times the Holy Spirit would tell me, or I can feel it, or know otherwise, and say, may I just pray for you right now? I just heard that you have a lot of trouble reading the Bible, particularly the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Can I pray for you? Now, I'm not telling them about demons because mm-hmm. they would reject it. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian sitting on the front row. I'm the pastor's wife or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, Lord, I just thank you that all, every attack of Satan against this person is rebuked right now. Lord, Satan, you just take your attacks and go in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I proclaim liberty to captive in Jesus' name. Okay, so open your Bible to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John now. Oh, my head doesn't hurt anymore. Awesome. They don't even know what they were just delivered. They're not, not possessed, but right. from oppression. So, so much of our book concerns oppression from demonic experience. And so those also make spectacular healings. Plus, now the person's ready to receive Jesus much deeper into the life than ever before. Right. And wow. What, what about generational curses, um, Paul? Yeah. So... The, um, the, the, I mean, some people, I, I'm not ever going to criticize another ministry. I just point out 
some people, that's the only bread and butter they have. Everything for them comes back to generational curses, and they do get a certain amount of relief into people. But I discovered, look, Jesus in all things, in all things, Jesus is our example. There's no record of Jesus ever addressing anyone in that manner. Mm -hmm. There is a point to generational curses. But for so many people that are stuck in that, and they keep casting out different things, but they're still in the way of bondage. Discovered that's because the power of God's not real enough in their life. When you receive the Holy Spirit in its fullness, when He comes, when you receive this Holy Spirit to this extent, it automatically drives a lot of stuff out. You know, with when a person will, if you can just get them to receive the Holy Spirit, receive Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, He displaces a lot of things. Step two, get them deep into the Word of God to renew their minds. Yes, we do need to pray, Lord, I and my fathers have sinned. I reject those things, right? Mm -hmm. But that becomes a a minor part. It's not the main show anymore. That's Mm -hmm. a much smaller part of it. One thing that I love that you said in your book is um, if you're not building your faith every day, you're losing it. Work every day at building your faith. Can I give you an example of that? Yeah, please. Now, here's where I may step on toes. I'm not trying to, but I've got to make an example that's extremely common. So pretty much, I think every member of your audience is going to connect with this one. Step away. You, <laughs> it's right. Exactly. I mean, every everyone, everyone's been there and I certainly have it in the past. We Let's all need correction, right? If, if we're not amen. corrected, we're not being loved. <laughs> That's right. That's why him who the Father loves, he chases, right? So this is meant to be a wake-up call, not to be any guilt trip. So you begin to feel sick. You you get a sore throat. You you, you get a cough. Something begins to go wrong in your body. First of all, we could have even rejected that, but that's a more advanced trick. So we'll just skip that one. You begin to have a cough. Often the first thought besides is, am I getting sick, which we've already lost right there. Am I getting sick is maybe I should make some hot tea. Maybe I should turn up the heat or just go to bed early. And those are good things. Nothing wrong with tea. Nothing wrong with going to bed early. But notice the thinking is, what can I do to stop this illness? And then if that doesn't work, this is getting worse. Maybe I should go see the doctor. And somewhere along the way, someone says, well, Jesus heals too. Well, I I know, but that seems nebulous. That seems unfamiliar. This I know works. So for the great majority of people listening, no matter how much they read my book, and even the the Bible itself, no matter what they read, healing is something that's always like an alternative to the doctors because the doctors are what they think are the sure thing. Now let's fast forward. Let's say you're at the doctor. The doctor says, I have bad news. This cough is cancer. This cough is something we can't treat. This, this is a, you've got four months to live. And all of a sudden, your security is shook. And you're like, the doctor, my first thought was the doctor, but now the doctor can't help me. Well, then it occurs to you, if God doesn't do it, I'm toast. And of course, many people do call people to pray, but because they don't know how, they don't understand. You know, they pray and pray, nothing happens. But, But now, for people who do have those gifts, they can pray and they're instant healed. What happened? is it took a loss of confidence in the doctors to get you to the all-out faith point that you could have been the first time, but we didn't think of it. Right, and because so for many Christians, we've been conditioned, again, yeah. That's right. Until they have, and this is why, the, this is the one part about healing that makes it difficult for many Christians, is God doesn't like to be plan B. He likes to be plan A. If mm-hmm. only our thinking were different, when that first scratchy throat occurs, that first cough, that first, am I running a fever? If the first, uh, Jesus, you died on the cross for two things, my forgiveness is sin and for healing. I received the healing on the cross that you already did. I'm not getting sick. I won't be sick. I received my healing. Now, again, those aren't just words. These are people that have gone to this book. They're living those words, and immediately it's gone. In other words, they never even got to be sick more than 60 seconds, and already it's gone because you turned to Jesus first or mm-hmm. got someone to pray for you first, not the doctors first, and then turn, can you pray for me last? Mm. I, I, can, I can think how I would feel if I was last on the list. Mm-hmm. You yes. take the most powerful and the best 
and the best option make it last. Mm-hmm. And it was just human nature, isn't it? Well, you know, we I think as people we get comfortable in believing in a certain way. Agreed. And when you're sick, you know, you take preventative measures or you go to the doctor and you get medications and those are the things that heal. And I'll save the big stuff for for the Lord or, you know, whatever the, the line of thinking is, right? Yeah, he's but, too busy to mess with my cough. Right. You know? Just yeah. different things, right? We just get comfortable in, I guess, what society has taught us is what we should do. <laughs> There's a transformation takes place. I think on many levels, it's not just the area of faith, the reality that when Jesus said, I will live in you. I think 90%, if not more of people who read that that in churches all their life may have had flashes that, but on a day to day pace basis, that doesn't make sense. They still keep praying to God who's far away in heaven. They visualize Jesus in heaven. They're looking up to heaven. They're, God, you, can you hear me? He says, I'm going to live in you. Right. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. I'll yeah. never forsake you. In this words, you're going to have trouble. The reality of God goes up night and day. That's the transformation, Fritz, that you're going through right now in, in your repeated reading of chapter 1. Jesus becomes immensely more real. You're not raising your voice, you know, looking up to him. It's like, Jesus, you've been here the whole time. His nearness, his presence isn't a fleeting thing, like on some special Sunday where the music's just right. His abiding presence everywhere you go becomes obvious to you. That's one of the many transformations that happen as you go through this book. Mm-hmm. The scriptures, rather than being like a suggestion, a recommendation, become life to you. Jesus, you said it. Heaven and earth will pass away before one jot of tittle, which you said. I can count on these words. It seems sacrilegious to you to even begin to suggest you may not be healed, and so forth. So as you go through the 10 chapters, there's this transformation on every level. You come out of it, and you don't, you say, I don't even think the same. Everything about my walk with God has changed now. Well, I think, you know, that's that's really what we need these days, is that we've just become so glazed over, and it's sort of like, you know, the, the veil or the scales that, that Paul had on his eyes, you know, put that, babe. Got to, it's got to start falling off. It's got to, we've got to be able to start seeing the truth and seeing what's really there and seeing the power of God. That's always been there, but that we haven't uh, reached out and, and tapped into. Um, well said. Because, well, yeah. you know, because we're afraid or because we're worried or because we're conditioned. I mean, who knows what the reasons are? It's, endless list of reasons but the the closer that we can get to seeing what's really there within our reach all this time you know but we've held ourselves back from it just even getting the awareness that it's there right exactly is is moving closer (laughs) well and your heart has to be well ready to receive it and yeah. I, I think that was in me. I was I was drawn to it. I was hungry for it. I was hungry for a change. I just didn't know what that change was. Yeah. Now I've got, you know, with Paul's book, at least now I have direction. Right. It's you know, sometimes it takes somebody kind of, you know, saying, "Hey, do you remember about this? Do you remember about that?" Exactly. And I love that he covers the basics of scripture, you know, mm-hmm. you can't have this if you don't believe this and God won't honor this if you don't do this. And it's the basics of scripture that I, that I love. And that's why I can't get out of chapter one. I feel like every time I go back, I'm learning something different. And uh, did you want to ask him your question? One thing I wanted to point out too, is that he lets the scripture speak for itself. Yes. And amen. Because he, and he lists, he typically lists like several scriptures at the same time so that you have different points of reference. Always referencing the point of, of uh, the meaning, you know, so I love that. But yes, I. 330 scriptures. Yeah. One thing that I did want to ask you about is um because I mentioned to you that I'm still in chapter one um that you said that there's kind of like a point that you get to once mm-hmm. you are 
You said this powerful 10-week class is primarily designed for born-again Christians who have already received the indwelling of the mighty Holy Spirit, as evidenced by speaking in tongues, or have been actively seeking the Holy Spirit in this manner. So can you go into that a little bit more for me? Because I'm not somebody who's ever spoken in tongues before, and I'd like to understand a little bit more what you mean by that. Okay. So very good. So very good. So look, any Christian, any Christian, Jesus said believers will do the same things I did. If you believe in Jesus, you believe he's the son of God. He was resurrected on the third day. He's at the right hand of the father. He's coming again. And you're willing to speak that and say, I'm saved. Romans 10, nine and 10, believe mm-hmm. in your heart and speak with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You're saved unconditionally. And even a brand new Christian that doesn't know anything about the Holy Spirit hasn't even heard those words. Uh, Again, no one can say Jesus Christ is Lord, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you must have at least some degree of the Holy Spirit to even to come to Jesus. So that's a given. Any Christian can do a certain amount of healing. Um, A brand new Christian could read the Bible, see Jesus was a healer, come to their wife and say, honey, I'd like to pray for your headache. I believe that when I pray for your headache to be healed, that Jesus is going to take it away. So headache, I'm speaking to you, get out. And there's a reason why you speak to the headache. Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain and tell the mountain to be moved, it will. Mm-hmm. Again, the book is dense with those scriptures. There's an abundance. So we won't try to convince you of that here. I'm just telling you a brand new Christian could do that. And at least a third of the time out of 10 people, they're going to get three or four healed, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the bigger miracles I'm talking about, Someone is, you know, has a large tumor in the body, and you want to command it to fall out of the body on the ground, so it's obvious to heal. Someone has a broken neck, and they've got, uh, you know, titanium rods holding together, and you're commanding the 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 titanium rods to turn the bone to be healed in the sight of all. Those kind of miracles I have not seen brand new Christians do. Those get into the realm of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the fire, the power. Jesus even said in his final night going to the cross, which is John chapter 16 or 17 or both, right? He said that I, the Holy Spirit, will not come unless I go. There are an entire class of people. There's three members of the Godhead. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But their entire intention is on God the Father, whom Jesus came to reconcile us to, Mm-hmm. And Jesus was the vehicle to do that, but he says, when I go, the Holy Spirit will bring you into all truth. He didn't mm-hmm. say I would do it. The Holy Spirit will bring you into all truth. He will reveal all things. He will tell you what's to come. He's the one that tells you this one has a demon and isn't hurt. He's the one that lives in you that will never leave, never forsake you, and Jesus Christ resides in us through the Holy Spirit. That's where the fire, that's where the power, that's where this person named Paul Williams that was very quiet and shy and never led anyone to the sinner's spirit. That's where the boldness comes from. That's where the fire comes from. It's from the mighty Holy Ghost. And we clearly see in the book of Acts, there are two separate experiences. Mm-hmm. One is receiving Jesus. The other is receiving the Holy Spirit in his fullness. Now, our book could be read by all. It could be used by all. It will get all closer to Christ. But the ones that come out able to do spectacular miracles are the ones who are not just filled with the Holy Spirit. And not just bringing in tongues, but have gone on the journey of discovery to learn what gifts they have and don't have. First Corinthians 12 has the, the, the nine fruits, right? Which gifts of the Spirit do you have and not have? That's number three. And number four is developing those gifts. This book of string faith has that entire journey process. Everything is in it. Mm-hmm. But, so that's why it's not a quick read. There's all those videos to watch, the testimonies, 330 scriptures. But for those who are not so resistant to the influence of the Holy Spirit that they won't even talk about it. For those who are at least open and say, if God wants me to have the Holy Spirit, if you can show me from Scripture, I'm ready for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to do that, that book's for you. But if you've already decided, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit, well, then it's not going to be for you. Okay, so what about the speaking in tongues part? Because that part was a little bit confusing for me. So if you look throughout the book of Acts over and over again, it says they laid hands on him and they received the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. I think some of the confusion is what kind of tongues is that? Mm -hmm. There's different ones. 
the Lord can bless you to speak in a foreign language. There's right. Many, many instances of that. And I believe I have so too. To me, it sounded like English, but we were in a Mexican prison. The translator wasn't there. And yet they understood well. I believe that the only thing I can think of is that what sounded like English to me was Spanish because we were praying in tongues, right? And mm-hmm. speaking in English, but they clearly heard it on an altar call, right? So, so, and usually the person that's speaking in a foreign language won't know it. But there's also speaking in the language of angels, First Corinthians 13, 1, though mm-hmm. I speak in the language of angels. And so all I can tell you this is the best way to think of the gift of speaking in tongues, it's like a little engine that starts a big one, like the starter in your car, mm-hmm. where you put the key in in a small motor, the starter turns over the larger engine and gets it to run. I and so many others have discovered the more I pray in tongues, let the Holy Spirit speak through me involuntarily. Mm-hmm. I'm moving my mouth, but I'm not giving the words. I tell people all the time, if you think you're speaking in tongues and you're making up these sounds, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's you or, or worse. I'm moving my mouth, but I have no idea what I'm about to say. That's the Holy Spirit, right? And the more you pray the perfect will of the Father by faith, there are many Christians who pray in tongues, but, but just pray because they don't know what they're doing. I'm not just praying at random. Father, I know that your will, if your will is done, nothing can stop your will. Satan cannot stop it. So I'm praying your perfect will, except there's a problem. I don't know what it is. Should I buy this house or that one or buy this car or that? Or should I move or stay? Or where should school district should I put my kids in? Or does this person have a demon or not? I don't know how to pray. But your spirit knows all things and prays through worthless groans that can't be understood. Speak through me, Holy Spirit, the perfect will of the Father with my lips. That's why I pray in tongues. And all I know is the more I pray in tongues, the more spectacular, the more amazing it becomes. If I walk up to someone flat, I may have to minister for them two, three hours, referring to a senior Christian. Mm -hmm. Not a new Christian, not an unbeliever. The longer someone's in the faith, the harder it gets to heal them because they have all these doubts, insecurities, bad doctrine. And besides, God requires more of those who've been in the, you know, then much is given, much is required. Without the Holy Spirit, it can take a good while to get this person healed. They, they will be healed, but it might take an hour. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're full to the abundance of the Holy Spirit, people will begin to get healed in your presence sometimes as you go to touch them, as you start to pray. It's very obvious that when you're full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said to the woman the, uh, at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. That's often misread. They say, well, that's living water flowing out of Jesus' belly. No, he said, out of your belly. And that's the baptism of fire that John the Baptist talked about, that Jesus will baptize with water and the Spirit. So many Christians have been baptized with water, but never baptized with the Spirit. They're saved, but never got the baptism of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So out of their belly flows living water that instantly heals people, the great miracles. And the book is dense, without interpretation, 330 scriptures about this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but isn't um, speaking in tongues also direct communication with the Father and, the, and Satan cannot intercept that? Yes. There, all those reasons are in the book. It, 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 it's like it, the Bible doesn't fully explain this, so I'd like to always make a difference between what's conjecture and what the Word of God directly says. But there's a class of people that until they understand it better, it won't even fool with it. It appears to be, from multiple scriptures, God gave this world to us, that man, Adam and Eve, were put dominion over everything on this planet. The beasts of the air, the, the, the fish of the sea, the animals on land, everything was put under the dominion of man. Mm-hmm. This appears to be why over and over again, the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray. God can do nothing. He says in the book of Joel, that God the Father does nothing without revealing his will to his servants, the, pro- the prophets, apparently so they can pray and give agreement. It's our world. You know, the dominion was lost and turned over to Satan. Jesus won it back, but now it's in our hands again. So if we need a relative to come to Jesus, they won't listen to us. I begin to pray in tongues. Lord, here's my nephew I'll call Bobby. He's 18 years old. He's so headstrong. There's nothing. He doesn't want to hear from me. 
My other relatives don't know what to tell him. Lord, I'm asking you to reach him, Lord. I give you permission. I go through every scripture that I can think of praying with understanding. There was with my English voice. I claim every scripture over him. Well, I've done that before. But now I'm going to do something different. I begin to say, by faith, everything's done by faith. By faith, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak through me, believing that the perfect will of the Father is being done for Bobby. God, do whatever you have to do to save him. I begin to pray in tongues. Now, some people say, I've tried this, but they didn't do it long enough. As the book shows you from experience, this doesn't come from the Bible, but it comes from experience. Many people have had this experience. You might have to pray 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, even two hours. But if you'll just continue to pray, all of a sudden you're going to feel release. You'll, you'll feel a notable shift in your spirit. We call it a shift. You're going to feel that. And at that moment, the perfect will of the Father was just done. The order has gone out. At that point, you can stop praying. It is done. And at that moment, the person could be around the world. Either something spectacular happens right then, something unusual, or it sets in progress from that moment forward, you're done. So again, many things have to come together, including your faith. There's so many people don't pray in tongues in the first place, and probably 90% pray in tongues don't fully understand how to get it to work, and then it adds up to a lot of ignorance that we hope this book sets to rest once and for all. Amen. Uh, but I speak in tongues, Paul. I've been filled for, for many years uh, as a teenager. Amen. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I just started to utter. You know, I just put up my hands, and I started to utter, and I was filled, and I've been speaking in tongues since now. There's a lot of times that I don't uh, for a long time, I almost forget that I do. But I, there have been times where I just utter things under my breath all the time, just kind of brings Amen. me back to the pray without ceasing, you know, scripture. That's correct. So that's kind of part of it. But could I lay my hands on Tina and pray for her to be filled, being that, that I am a yes. spirit-filled believer? Yes, you could. You, you, she actually would receive. The Holy Spirit is always received. So we, we don't give the Holy Spirit. He is received. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. So everything's done by faith, Fritz and Tina. First of all, Tina got response to need, to hunger. Um, because I was taught against the Holy Spirit, as mentioned in episode one, I actually thought it was of the devil, and I'm so glad I didn't commit the unpardonable sin. Amen to that. I never thought about that till you said it, Paul. That's uh, you could have uh, slipped up. (laughs) So it wasn't intentional. So the Lord gave me grace there, but I would actually tell people all that stuff's of the devil. I shudder now. But here's what I did, and I hope it clicks with many of your listeners and even you know you is is because of a lifetime of railing against the Holy Spirit and despising that and being fearful and saying things like, you will never catch me with that babbling and all that kind of, I mean, I just would ridicule that stuff. When the Lord brought me to a spot, which is this whole interesting story, uh, about how to want the Holy Spirit in the first place, to realize I was wrong. That, that was a whole agonizing battle there. And say, I need the Holy Spirit. I need, I, I, I now get it. Miracles and signs and wonders and prophecy and these kind of radical things that I want to do for evangelism purpose, that's only purposes, that's only done through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I repent. Holy Spirit, I take back everything I've said. Now, look, repenting of your words doesn't put in the correct knowledge. I still don't really know what I'm doing. So what I did is I went on this three-week fast. Uh, 12 years ago, which is how the Holy Spirit fell on me. And it said, first step number one is I cast out everything I've ever said about the Holy Spirit, any books, literature, sermons, I cast it out. I don't know which parts are true, which parts are not true. It's So simply repenting isn't enough. I've got to reject the bad knowledge. I am not using, I'm going to go through every scripture, which our book is great because they're all compiled one after another without interpretation, right? I'm going to go through every scripture in the entire body, Bible about the Holy Spirit and with a blank mind, not trying to fit in with my existing knowledge or how does that explain that? I'm going to act like a little child who doesn't know anything. I don't even know what to ask. And with a blank mind, receive all the scriptures just as written, no matter how difficult, no matter how strange, no matter how bizarre, as written. And that's what I did. And that's when the power of God fell. 
That's when the startling visions, the wonders, the spectacular miracles occurred. The, the Bible, able to read the print arranged in the air in green letters, right? Looking at people and able to read words floating around in front of them, saying what their, what their problem was. All that started when I cleared my mind, packed it full of scripture without interpretation and without questioning it. I just want to see what you said. I'm not going to ask any questions. You know, I'm going to receive it because you said it, Lord. Now, make it so, and now you see the result. You, I always, I don't want to interrupt you, baby. You, you got a thought? No, no. I, I, I believe I've received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just was saying I don't speak in tongues, um, not because I don't have any desire to speak in tongues, but just that it's, I never felt. Okay. Like it was there for me. But, you know, we don't really know what speaking in tongues could mean, right? Because it's, <laughs> you know, it's not like clearly defined in the New Testament. But, you know, there is a language that I feel like I speak with people who don't speak English, and yet I can communicate with them. Well, that's totally the Holy Spirit. Well, it is. Um and even with people who don't even have clear presence of mind, um, we can communicate with each other. Um, because in the hospital, obviously, I come across all different types of people. People who speak zero English. People who are, you know, either very medicated or they're not altogether there. But yet our spirits somehow connect and we have a language and I can comfort them and ease them and communicate with them in a way that other people can't. So I don't know that it might necessarily be an audible, you know, utterance, but sometimes I think that it can be more than that, that it can be action. Yeah, we may have to have well a part three uh, just on this subject alone because we could really get in the weeds about speaking in tongues and well and, and that's not really what i was trying to do language I, in your prayer closet anyway unless, i just i just feel like it's a gift that god has provided for me to oh, be sure. able to help people and that's how it's used but i did i didn't associate that before with speaking in tongues sure yep i don't know I think what Paul was alluding to is with that manifestation of that gift, it takes you into bigger levels of the Holy Spirit or deeper deeper levels where you can do bigger miracles. Yes. Can I give you an example that that all these things are manifestations of the Spirit, but there's a seemingly unending degree of levels that the more you pursue, God is always after hunger. He's always after hunger. He, he craves people to be hungry, more God, more. The minute we say this is how we do it, the hunger stops pretty much. So one of the things the book does great is throwing up a ravenous desire. Lord, I need more. His goal is to perfect us until we're in the image of his son in every detail, right down to the way they think. If we think the way Jesus did, we're going to be doing spectacular things, right? So the key thing is, Lord. Fill me again with that hunger that says, Lord, more. I don't know what I need. I only mm -hmm. know what I have. Mm -hmm. You know what I need. If you want me to have it, I want to have it, and I'll fast and pray for it. So let me give you an example with the outcome. And, and, and this was the called the miracle of 312 a.m., the church at the time uh, was calling it. And so uh, the power of God fell on me with increasing manifestations. The miracles were the beginning, but God began to do startling prophecy. I knew people would say they would have words, like impressions, but I didn't understand that if you have a hunger and continue to pursue, how real it could get until this day. Uh, this was the longest customer my company ever had had, nine straight years, a continuous customer of ours for a company that was 10 years old at this time, which is probably eight years ago, nine years ago now. And the Holy Spirit had fallen, but I'm still learning about the more you pray in tongues, the more the Lord will do, right? And Michelle played a big role, my wife, in this. So this customer of mine that had become very personally friendly with had often had me pray for his son that I'll just call Bob. That's not his name. We'll just call him Bob, right? His teenage son that now is in his 20s. 
And he had thrown the sun out for drinking and partying and having friends over, but now several years had passed by. The son's trying to reform his life and wants to move back in to get away from bad friends to save his money. The father says, of course, but you got to go see my friend Paul. He's going to pray as the Lord leads him. So he asked me, he said, Paul, he called me, could we meet tomorrow? I cleared my schedule for him. Okay, could we meet tomorrow, bring my 26-year-old son to meet with you? Pray, ask the Lord to give you something for him, and whatever you tell him, I'm out of the ways between you and him. I said, absolutely, we're due, due dear friend. So I met Mr. Michelle, and I started looking at every scripture. I started looking at different scriptures. I started doing all the things that a Christian person would do. Any minister, leader, by this time we were intercessors in the church. We've been praying for many, many people, actually a second church, you know. And I'm doing all the things you normally would do, looking at scriptures, cataloging, thinking, listening for the Holy Spirit. But my wife asked me a question. Have you prayed in tongues for brother for, for the son, Bob? Yeah, informally. Kind of like what you're saying, Fritz. It is praying in tongues, just informally praying while looking. But the difference is my mind is active trying to find things, which perhaps as fast as I'm trying to do that, I'm overriding what the Holy Spirit would do. Because I'm using my natural wisdom and experience to look for scriptures, even while I'm asking God to show me scriptures. So yes, we will get inspired. We will get a certain amount of inspiration, but there's so much more. Let me demonstrate. So I said, you know what? Oh, it's the weekday. This is a Wednesday night. Tomorrow's Thursday. I got to get early praying in tongues like this, like I'm going to tell you. Can, you can end up with a very short night's sleep. Jesus sometimes prayed all night. And that's the impact. This is not the weekend. So I was hesitant, but she said, this is important, Paul. These are our dear friends. Okay, I said, all right, honey, I will. So this is what Michelle often does. And so, you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm praying in tongues. And I'm tired. I'm tired. I've already done every bit of scripture, but I began to pray in tongues. By faith, Lord, only you only you, our teacher, comforter, and guide. You're the guide. You're the teacher, Holy Spirit. I'm addressing him by name. You know what is needed to get to my friend's son, Bob. You know. I could quote scriptures all day long that may impress him. They may move him. They may bring tears. It doesn't necessarily, ch- it may even bring repentance, but it doesn't change the course of their life, Lord. What do I need to do to arrest his attention, to totally make a change in his life? I don't know, but you know, Holy Spirit. So by faith, I'm going to pray the perfect will of God through tongues in my lips. And I prayed probably right up to about 11.45 p.m. And I'm tired. I mean, and I fell asleep. All of a sudden, it's 2.30 a.m. in the morning. The Holy Spirit wakes me up and says, pray for Bob. And once again, I quoted every scripture out loud, whispering in the bed next to my wife, every scripture that I knew that I thought applied. That was probably 10 minutes. And then I switched to praying in tongues, and I prayed probably about another 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, something it was the first of a hundred times this has happened, but this was the very first. There's nothing like the first time, and it blew me away. All of a sudden, God, I kid you not, I, you know, this is what actually happened. The Holy Spirit pulled my spirit out of my body. My body was left behind in the bed, and I was all of a sudden standing in person in Bob's bedroom. I kid you not. Wow. Standing in person in his bedroom. This was the first of many times. That's why I say there's so much more for those who say, God, I'm hungry. Do whatever you have to do. I need more, Lord. You'll get more. And I'm standing, and I'm blown away. And I can see the Holy Spirit didn't tell me what to do next. As I look to my left, I can see a window. The moon was out there. There was a book stand with stuff overflowing onto the floor. There was a closet directly behind me. And straight ahead of me was not a, not a bunk bed, but it was a bed with some stuff kind of hanging above it some kind of way. I don't know what it was. The room was dark, but I could see clearly. Light and day are the same to God, uh, Psalms chapter 139. And I noted that Brother Bob was sitting, well, not he wasn't a brother then. He was just a secular son. He was had his feet on the pillow, and his head was toward the doorway. And I could see his lips were moving. So I noticed he was backwards in the bed, and even the clothes he had on. And as I looked at him, something amazing occurred. As long as I was looking at his lips, I could hear in my mind, I could hear in his voice what he was praying. 
he was not praying aloud, but I could actually hear his thoughts. Again, God's done this many times since. I could actually hear his thoughts clearly in his voice, what he was thinking in his mind. And what he was doing is he was looking forward to meeting this strange guy, Paul, that's me, but he was hoping that that I would not do or say something his father had done, which I won't repeat for their privacy, right? And the vision faded. I rolled over and looked at the clock. It was 3.12 a.m. exactly, and I went to sleep. So the next day, we meet at this big Mexican restaurant. We sit down, and my friend introduced me to his son, Bob, on the other side of a very large table, maybe eight feet across. And he says, well, Paul, what do you want to do here? Our drinks had not even come yet, and I fixed my gaze on Bob, and I said, Bob, were you praying last night? No, no. First thing I asked him, I said, Bob, now I didn't, I didn't explain. These are part of the extreme faith for extreme evangelism. It's not just healing people. It's doing stunning acts of prophecy to bring people to Jesus because the Holy Spirit knows which method is going to work best. So I said, Bob, is your bedroom about 12 feet by 8 feet long and wide? It's got a closet here small window here, a dresser drawer with a lot of stuff piled on it here, you know? And you have like a bed here, like a bunk bed. What is that? I see stuff hanging here. He he didn't want to talk about that. Now, none of this bothered him because I I guess he assumed his father had told me, which he had not. And I said, were you up praying last night? He said, I was. Were you praying at 3.12 a.m.? He looked at his father. I actually was. Um, It was like, 2.30 in the morning, that's the same instant God woke me up. I started praying around 2.30 in the morning. So were you praying at 3.12? I was, because I prayed for about an hour, so I was definitely up at 3.12. And his father said, I only looked at the clock once last night. It was exactly 3.12 in the morning. This is amazing, right? And I said, Bob, you were praying something in your mind, not out loud, correct? He said, yes, correct. Can I tell you what you prayed in your mind last night at 3.12 a.m.? He kind of looked horrified. He said, yes. And I got up and told him, and you talking about the most horrified, it's like, you are kidding me. I mean, he jumps up, grabs his whole spoon, sock, napkin thing, threw it down like a football spike, touchdown. You are kidding me. I said, son, sit back down. See, you thought Jesus wasn't real. You think he's in heaven. I was standing in person in your bedroom last night. God, let me hear what you prayed. Jesus is real, and he wants you to serve him. on the spot, that man rededicated his life to the Lord. Wow. Now, he went through several years of different ups and downs, but that was a defining moment instantly, the power of God. Tina, I'm going to tell you this. If you will clear your mind and say, God, I'm hungry. I need as much of the Spirit as you'll give me. I'll fast. I'll pray. I'll put everything aside and put your word first. I need your power. You will be praying in tongues and doing spectacular miracles for his glory, too. Okay. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, man, we are pushing over an hour, Paul. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is good stuff. Uh, will you come back for a part three at some time? Because uh, we still got Absolutely. a lot. Of, we still got a lot to talk about, and uh, so uh, I'm probably going to go ahead and sign off. If you'll hold the line for us, I do have a, a question or two for you. So, you got anything, Absolutely. babe? Before we uh, we sign off, um, make sure here. No, just the other thing I had written down was fast, pray, seek, which Paul just closed with. Yeah, he touched on that, didn't he? Just a little bit. So, well, listen, if you'd like to be a guest on God Stories Radio, it's www. No, it's not. It's God Stories Radio Tina at gmail.com. If you want to send in your testimony, if you want to handwrite it, uh, you can. We've read testimonies on here. It's God Stories Radio at gmail.com. And if you would like to visit our website, it's godstoriesradio.com. And um, I just, there's a button on there. And if the God pricks your heart uh, to throw a little change in the jar, it is tax time. So we would appreciate any and all help. And thank you to those that, that support us. On the regular, we really appreciate that. And there's Thank no you. show next week because there will working. be no show next week. I, w- I have church activities that that uh, I'm responsible for, so uh, there will be no show next week. And then um, we have a guest the week after. We'll have a guest the week after, and hopefully Paul will come back for a part three because there's so much. Yeah, to we'll talk get, about with him. And, we'll get uh, that squared away. For we'll sure. get that squared away. So. Uh, again, apologize for the no Friday show, but uh, today was uh, completely worth it. 
<laughs> it was an hour it gone. Is. I didn't even look at the time and yeah. it was over an hour. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you for everything. Thank and you. Um, we uh, just ask that you bless Paul's ministry and well, and, yes. and uh, do yourself a, pay, a favor and pick up Extreme Faith for Extreme Evangelism. Uh, I know you can get it on Amazon and um, you can get it on uh, Paul's website as well. The I think it's, uh, let me see, what is it, Paul? Lifeoffaithinchrist.org. Dot org, not dot .com. Org. .com. Do yourself a favor and pick some up. And hey, maybe we could do this together uh, sometime uh, online. And, and or give us the like name that. of the other book again, please, Paul. Yes. Expect to Believe. Thank Paul you. Williams. Both, both are uh, yeah, Extreme Faith, Extreme Evangelism, Paul Williams, and Expect to Believe, Paul Williams, on Amazon. And Expect to Believe, is that the devotional? Yes, the daily devotional, just as the Lord showed me, a day at a time for eight months. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, thank you. Yeah, you said in the book uh, to expect a move of the Holy Spirit if you if you read that. So I'm picking up that copy yes. as soon as I can. So Many many people have told me they get about halfway through, and what happens is a deep indignation and anger against Satan in their lives and their lack of faith, and they just see it and say, oh, God, forgive me, and they're just set free, and many people heal instantly and weren't even asking to be healed that's how real the power of god becomes sounds like a good gift sounds like a good, <laughs> yes it does gift to ourselves <laughs> yeah, to ourselves and yeah. for others amen yeah. and, and for others so um i'd like to thank everybody for uh for tuning in and and taking a listen and we have enjoyed uh, mr paul williams and hopefully we'll have him back for a part three a lot to talk about Absolutely. it always is and the holy spirit is near and dear subject to my heart. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking some more about that. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, you guys be blessed. We love you. And that about wraps it up for session 324. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. <laughs>